Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So before the break, we, uh, in honor of Josh Dobbs and people saying, hey, slow your roll. I mean, you just want, yes, we're, we know that. We, but he either is going to be know, the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. or he's going to, yeah. we'll forget who Josh Dobbs is uh, in a year from now. But we're saying, what other mm-hmm. instances have there been of people just stepping in and doing incredible jobs, not only in sports, but in all walks of life? Here's a very cultured response right here. In the classical music world, there are quite a number of very well-known conductors who skyrocketed from obscurity to fame due to last-minute illness of some other well-established musical director. Leonard Bernstein would have eventually risen to the very top, but his ascent was hastened when he was asked to take Bruno Walter's place. Uh, Bruno Walter caught the flu in front of the New York Philharmonic without a rehearsal. I knew you knew that one. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Our listeners, thank God, they're so much smarter than yeah. we are. Uh, also, you're getting, yours, you're getting crushed for your Van Halen take, by the way. I can't believe I don't have any Sammy fans out there. I mean, Dave's okay, but, you know, I don't know. I'm just a huge Sammy no. Hagar fan. So keep them coming. Who do you think did a better job stepping into its place? You know, yes, in honor of the Vikings game, but uh, curious about that. Now we're going to do some quick takes. What's up, guys? Josh Wheeler, again, in for uh, Dave, world-traveling Dave Josephson. So welcome back, Josh. Well-deserved vacation for Mr. Dave Josephson. Some might agree. Some might. Some might like David Lee Roth. Some might like Sammy Hagar. doesn't matter. I like them both. I just like Sammy better. It's all good. It's all good. Jory, you just cannot drive 55. It's all good. Um, That's right. Thank you. Tyson Chicken. Are you guys fans of Chicken Nuggets? Uh... Yeah, I guess I mean, bon- who isn't? Of I mean, course. Boneless wings. Boneless wings are technically chicken nuggets. Are you guys, so, are yes. you guys fans? Are you guys fans of metal, nuggets. like heavy metal, Metallica, all that good stuff? Yes. Well, Tyson Chicken is recalling thirty thousand pounds of Tyson dino-shaped nuggets after finding pieces of metal oh. in them. Uh, this one is for you, Wisconsin residents, as well as Alabama, California, Illinois, Kentucky, and Michigan. Also, Ohio, Tennessee, and Virginia. Not all 50 states, I promise. Uh, U.S. Department of Food Safety and Inspection Service says luckily only one oral injury has occurred with this incident. But yeah, 30,000 pounds of Tyson dino-shaped nuggets are now being wow. recalled. Unreal. Adam, your thoughts on that? Uh, well, yeah, keep the metal out of uh, the chicken nuggets. That's really <laughs> a, a, yeah, a, a, right? hard take. Yeah. But um, yeah, I always wonder about these. Like, how does, it, how does metal end up? In the food chain, I, like that was my first question. I, I mean, thought the same thing. How does this happen? Too much air fryer action, or well, something? I think it's I just know. when you mass produce things like that. I mean, True. things happen, I guess, and you get metal. I mean, it's probably a factor of okay, shavings from some sort of piece of equipment made it into the. But still, yeah, it's, it seems strange. Personally, if you're eating nuggets right now, keep biting. They're the best. I love nuggets. If you find I mean, metal, who doesn't love yeah, nuggets? Yeah, exactly. Jor, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? No, I love nuggets, but um, and I have fed my children many, many a chicken nugget. But thank God they found this. You know, you don't want yeah. the kid biting into or, or swallowing 
uh, a piece of metal. I mean, I don't know how big these pieces were, but check your nuggets, everybody. Send them back if they're the bad ones. Check your nuggets. Check your nuggets. Check your nuggets. Inspect your nuggets. Feel around. I was, you know, give you want to give them a good, a good grabbing onto, and you feel them. Make sure they have no metal in them. Check your nuggets before you put them in your mouth. That was my problem with my uh, my physical. My doctor didn't check the nuggets, and then I was worried about it. (laughs) Always, we're so terrible. We're like juveniles. We need to move on. Honest to God. (laughs) Oh man! All right, uh, it was. Oh, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this. There was deer hope uh, deer opener this weekend. You got it, baby! Oh, State of Minnesota. Mm. Uh, with that behind us, still many days left. The DNR has f- a friendly reminder for everybody when it comes to those gunfire fleeing animals. Don't veer for deer uh, when you're driving on the roads uh, during peak oh, deer and moose season. Only ten percent of the uh, 1,200 crashes each year in Minnesota are, Minnesota are deer related. Uh, the DNR has reported uh, they have sent out warning shots with mating season underway and daylight savings in full effect. Uh, the deer aren't all accounted for in the population. Uh, Ron Moen, who's a wildlife ecologist at UMD, uh, said for every 10 deer, there are about 90 out there that are not accounted for. Adam, are you a veer away from the deer or do you just go on through? Well, thankfully, I haven't had this situation. I I, I hit a deer one time, but it was just the head of the deer. Mm. I hit it with my rearview mirror. But the deer survived. The deer, like, fell down, but got right back <laughs> up. So, thankfully, I didn't kill the deer. Uh, no, you, you – yeah, you're not – veering is worse because then yeah. you can lose control or hit another car, or God forbid, if there's somebody else around. Uh, so, yeah, you plow into the deer. That's the, the safest thing to do. Which, again – that's did, did, the, the, did the deer scoff at you when it, when it got up and <laughs> ran away? This, like, uh, this no, guy. no. Okay. But, like, isn't it a natural reaction? It's really hard to it just is. plow yes. into the deer. Like, if something jumps in front of your car, or of animal. course you're going to swerve to avoid it. I think that's such a – honestly, that advice is, is strange. I get it yep. that you're better off plowing into the deer than swerving and, God forbid, hitting a human. But, boy, to, that's really hard to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But be careful this time of year, man. The deer and rut, it's yeah. skyrocketing. Yeah, they're, they're Car deer collisions skyrocket, especially mm-hmm. at dusk and uh, early morning and uh, dusk and dawn. That's when you when you have to uh, watch out. Oh, That's and- why we have hunters out there taking care of some of those deer so you don't hit them in a car. Okay, uh, so yeah. And by the way, all, you all hunting cities, all cities and towns, they're not. They did want to include in that article. Uh, no town is exempt from said deer wandering around, as we all know here in Minnesota. Uh, Next one, standout athletes from across the country are hitting the court in Lakeville this weekend. Teams are competing in the Courage Kenny Classic. It's a wheelchair basketball uh, tournament going on. They're all competing and trying to win championships just like any other uh, able-bodied individual would be playing basketball. It's really cool to see that there's opportunities for everybody, says uh, the uh, program coordinator, Rumas Mesa, and said it's really our kind of our big goal to uh, promote these athletes. Uh, some are even being offered college uh, scholarships, if you will, or college opportunities to play uh, in said competitions on the mm-hmm. college level as well. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this just wonderful event that I didn't even know about until today? I was kind of digging through the news. I didn't know that there was this huge, huge tournament going on this weekend here in Minnesota. When, If anybody who hasn't seen uh, wheelchair basketball, so it cool. is an extraordinary display of athleticism. Yes. I am like so amazed yes. yeah. 
yes, at how, despite whatever limitations they have, uh, differently abled, they are extraordinary athletes and they have used um, their limitations in ways that just surpass what I thought the human body could accomplish. You know, I, I guess I'm just so rote in what I'm used to thinking of as basketball. But when you see differently abled athletes play, it is just a testament to what you can accomplish uh, when you are challenged like that. And it's, um, we should have more of these. I'm, I'm so thrilled to learn, Josh, that they're getting college scholarships yeah. because just because you're built differently uh, should not stop you from exceeding in something that obviously you're really skilled at or modifying it to yeah. make it amazing. So I'm just, I'm so impressed with these. Well, athletes. one of the senior captains on the team, according to this article, has snagged a scholarship to play wheelchair basketball at the University of Illinois next year. Mm. Alongside his co-captain and fellow scholarship recipient Michael Allen, as well. So yeah, these, this is uh, this is the real deal down in Lakeville, and uh, it's really cool to see this event going on. Adam, your thoughts on this? No, it's just uh, echoing what Jordana yeah. said. Yeah, it's a, a mm-hmm. incredible uh, display of uh, athleticism, and uh, yeah, bravo to all those folks. And that's all I got for quick takes today. All right, uh, a couple of other people texting in for um, fill-ins. Uh, Harry Who Truman has filled in better than the original. That's what we're talking yeah. about via the Viking game. So I said Sammy Hagar really took over Van Halen and did well. Um, Adam says Ringo Starr and Pete Best. Some of you have great fill-ins. Let's continue that conversation next. Our conversation about better fill-ins when the fill-in did better than mm-hmm. the job in the first place. Lou Gehrig replacing Wally Pipp in the Yankees lineup June second of nineteen twenty five. Well, that that actually like people you, that that's become a term. Like you've been Wally Pipped, so yes. Oh, really? Is, yes, that is common knowledge. So yeah. A lot of these are sports references, and yeah. Adam, you know, I don't get them. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, shocked uh, at those. Some of the how about this one? Josh Groban stepped in to duet with uh, Celine Dion when Andrea Bocelli was unable to rehearse the prayer. It introduced the world to Josh Groban. Hmm. I didn't know that. Well, now Someone you do. says Jimmy Fallon for Jay Leno. Eh. Really? Hmm. But, but Jimmy Someone Fa- says Adam Carter re- replacing Chad Hartman in the afternoon. I didn't well, do there that. There you go. <laughs> it's not me. Um, oh, the Tim Cook at Apple. Yes. How about that one? Yes. Yes, wildly successful. You're absolutely right. Aretha Franklin sang uh, when Pavarotti canceled at the last minute in the 1998 Grammys. Mm. I don't remember that one, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I love that they stuck with people, though. They were such good fill-ins that, you know, people have them off the tip of their tongue. It's not like folks are Googling this. They're remembering performances and remembering fill-ins. And that is, that's great. I love that. See, someone agree. Someone says Sammy and Dave are both great. Enough said. Okay. See, I'm getting a lot of hate Oops. from my Sammy Hagar comment because I think he did a great job stepping in for Dave. I think here's the deal. It's harder for the fill-in to come because not only do they have to be as good yes. as the last person, they almost have to be better. So the second person who has that job has to be above reproach, yes. be even better than the number one, and that's a hard thing to do. You always the the old saying is you don't want to be the guy who replaces the guy you want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the guy. It's oh, like you know you, you go want to be the third. Yeah, that. How about this? <laughs> There's someone suggesting Mark, the handsome husband. How about that? Oh, he. 
<laughs> well, you would have to have known my first husband, but yes, handsome husband. He was he's a better replacement. Right. No disrespect to my first husband. I was going to say you're well, absolutely right. Right. To each his own. To each his own. <laughs> to each his own is right. Absolutely. Adam Lambert um, for next- Freddie Mercury. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Adam Lambert might be great, terrific, no. but there's no, no replacing. Freddie Mercury. Nope. Have we mentioned uh, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins yet? Oh, that's right. Phil Collins. That's yeah. what you played Phil Collins yeah. there. I'm a Genesis. Genesis, baby. See, I'm, Ooh, I might go with Phil Collins. Yeah, I prefer. I think I'm a. I prefer Phil Collins Genesis too. Although Peter, yeah. I mean Peter Gabriel on his own is fantastic. That's but, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so let me just let me just change uh, okay. the conversation yep. a little bit because uh, coming up in the next half hour, we're going to be speaking uh, with Rachel Polos. She is a University of St. Thomas professor at the law school. She is a former U.S. US attorney, attorney mm-hmm. from Minnesota. And um, we want to talk with her about uh, former President Trump testifying. He's testifying today in a New York court in his fraud lawsuit. Now, remember, this is just a civil trial, so no jail time or anything, but this is about whether or not the Trump organization gets to continue as a business, you know, can be in business in the state of New York. Obviously, it has long-reaching ramifications per the presidential election, and I thought it had reaching ramifications per the presidential election. But over the weekend, Adam, we now are finding, according to polls, this is a New York Times-Siena poll, that Trump is leading in five critical states over Biden. And when a friend of mine brought this up Saturday night, I thought, no, that's that's that can't be true. Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. 100 percent true. Wow. Are you Joe Biden is in serious, serious trouble. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that, like, I think if you're telling me that all those people suddenly are saying, well, nope, Donald Trump is my choice over Joe Biden. I think it's more to have to do with, no, I, 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 I want I'm picking the other person, no matter who that other person is, uh, because they're both uh, clearly the poll shows that both men are still uh, disliked. But again, we say it all the time and it's very simplistic, but it boils down to the economy and how you are doing. And people, I mean, inflation is real. People are spending more money for things and they blame, even though uh, inflation, there are global reaches to inflation. It does not surprise me at all. And the fact that Joe Biden is older and Joe Biden is clearly his, he is, he's, he is diminished. Okay. That does not, so is Donald Trump, by the way. So, but this is what Dean Phillips was talking about. This is what he's saying behind the, he's saying, he was saying out loud what people are saying behind the scenes that polling shows that if, if, if these two guys go head to head again, Donald Trump is going to win, and Donald Trump will have another term as president of the United States, which is uh, alarming. Um, and it, this should be news to all Democrats. So is Dean Phillips jumping in that pool, hoping that other people will jump in that pool too? I think that's what it is. But And, you know, Biden's people playing this off. Well, as you know, there's a year to go. Uh, we've, we, we, we'll still make our case. <sighs> I think this is very stark. This is eye-opening. Uh, this is jaw-dropping revelation that his chances at a re-election are slim if he goes up against Donald Trump. I find this shocking. Like, really? So you're paying maybe more for gas and groceries, and that's a reason that you want to vote in Trump? Is that is that true? And I'm asking you, dear listener, these polls, 
And look, polls are worth what you paid for them, which is nothing. We all saw the polls went for Hillary and then President Trump got elected. And I'm talking about the five swing states in Nevada, in Georgia, in Arizona, in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. Trump leads Mm -hmm. Biden, sometimes by in Nevada, it's much as 10 percentage points. In Michigan, it's five percentage points. In Georgia, it's six percentage points. In Arizona, it's another five percentage points. Like it's shot or four, excuse me. No, no, five. Sorry, my math. You know, um, I'm shocked. In Wisconsin, Biden is still ahead, but only two percentage points. I am shocked that people would be willing to vote for the embattled Donald Trump, and I want to know why. Why are the polls changing? I understand if maybe you are a fan of Hamas, that you are not a fan of President Biden, that he has come staunchly um, in support of the Israeli government's right to defend itself against terrorists. So if you are an advocate for terrorists, maybe you would change your mind on President Biden. But I don't think there are that many terrorists in these swing states that that has what has changed them. You know, that's the most recent turn of events in our in the world. So. I'm fascinated by these polls, and of course, I think chime the, in. Yeah, but if, I think that if, based on the polling, ahead. though, I, th- I just think the, that that situation, even in this, they 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 look at that as a failure of the Biden administration, saying that, that there's this overall belief that Donald Trump says, "Oh, this stuff never would have happened if I've been president," with zero evidence of any sort of case that that would happen. That suddenly Russia wouldn't invaded Ukraine, and that there wouldn't be this new uh, war uh, between Israel. And Hamas, but there's people that believe that and say, "Well, you know, we were not. There wasn't any wars going on when Donald Trump was president." That's that plays. It just does. Really? Yeah. Okay. I I guess maybe I just have a different view of all of it. Um, Jordana, it's amazing how much your head is buried in the sand. Get out of your bubble. You know, I talk to you guys every day. I don't know that I'm in a bubble, no. but I I just I guess the people I talk to see. Donald Trump for who he is and think we can do better. So the Republicans should get a better nominee. That's what I think. I wouldn't want to have a president that had all these criminal indictments who's, you know, past cabinet members and past advisors either got convicted of serious crimes. I just wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. So I'm curious to know why. And I'll, I'll, we'll end with this, and then we can go to Rachel. Um, hey, Jor, the economy and Biden's age are factors for the Trump surge, but there's a growing percentage of independents who recognize the unfairness of political prosecutions. That's the answers to Jordana's question of why. So, like, prosecuting Trump for possible crimes and fraud, like, that's why? That people think that that's, that's unfair? Is that, is that it, Adam? That's, well, that's what Trump is telling his supporters, and there's many supporters who feel that's exactly what's happening. That this is political political persecution and it's a weaponization of the Justice Department to go after a political opponent. Uh, I see it as, you know, upholding the law. But, mm-hmm. again, that's how fractured we are. That two totally normal people can look at that and feel so differently about what's happening. Rachel Paulos will answer some questions for us uh, about the trial, about the testimony, and maybe even about these polls. That's up next on CCO. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Former President Donald Trump is testifying today in the $250 million civil fraud case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, the judge has told, and, and we don't have cameras in the courtroom, so we can't see what he's saying yet, but I am reading the very latest that the judge has told his lawyers that he wants, the judge wants yes or no answers to the questions and has beseeched Trump's lawyers to control him. And the lawyers are saying, we don't know if that's possible. So while I can't wait to hear what is going on there, I imagine President Trump is being very verbose in his answers. But will that serve him well? Joining us now, a frequent guest of the show on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is Rachel Polos, professor at the University of St. Thomas Law School and a former United States attorney for Minnesota. Professor Polos, always great to have you on the show. Uh, it's great to be on the show, Jordana and Adam. Thank you for inviting me. So we hear, and, and we don't know what he's saying yet unless you have some inside information, but we hear that he is sort of pleading a case instead of answering yes or no questions. How do you feel that that strategy will go for him in this trial? Well, I think it depends on who the audience is. Um, he clearly views the audience as not this judge. And as you pointed out, there are no cameras in the courtroom and there's no jury in the courtroom. But he clearly views the audience as the general voting population. And so mm. it's it's very hard to control a witness. Any prosecutor, any lawyer can tell you that. Um, and so he's not he's not just answering the question simply. He's giving a campaign speech from the witness box, because this is part of his theme that the, all these trials and this case in particular are not about finding truth. They're about persecuting him and about uh, interfering in the election, the upcoming presidential election. So, I, he, Rachel, he's like very, obviously very combative with this judge, and the judge is the one who's going to make the ruling here. Is he just basically <laughs> right. conceding that the judge will rule against him, so he wants to get, for lack of a better term, his pound of flesh in? That seems to be what he's saying from the stand. I mean, he literally said, this judge always rules against me. And he used that word always, um, which the judge um, sort of disputed with him right there from the from the courtroom. Um, but it's very clear that he really thinks that he, he's, he's um, speaking to a much wider audience than this judge and, and these people in the courtroom with him right now. So what will be the outcome? We know that this isn't about guilt or innocence. We know that this, you know, I guess the Trump family has already been found guilty in this fraud case. What will happen at the end of the case? How what are the judge's options and what will happen to the Trump organization? So really, to answer the last question first, what could happen to the Trump organization it is, is that it could be completely dissolved. I mean, I think he is literally facing the death penalty for his corporate assets in New York if the prosecutor mm -hmm. um, is successful in this case. 
And how do we get to that point? I think the prosecutor needs to answer three questions and convince the judge um, by a preponderance of the evidence, because remember, that's the standard in civil cases, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but the lower preponderance of the evidence, that one, the values uh, of his properties were inflated or deflated based on whether or not that would create a benefit or a liability for the president. Two, not only that the values were off, but that Donald Trump personally, not through his advisors, but personally drove that decision making. And three, I mean, I do think it matters to the president what happens to his children. And I think that um, the prosecutor is trying to show that his grown children were involved in driving the manipulation Mm. of numbers here um, and that they should also be held liable and that, you know, that the organization has to be completely dissolved. It can't be that his children and the people you would think would be his heirs could take control um, mm-hmm. if Donald Trump personally is is held liable. But essentially, we are not talking about guilt or innocence since this trial in New York is not a criminal trial, but we are talking about what happens to financial assets, who controls them, and um, who has continuing access to them. It really is the, the jewel in the crown for Donald Trump's um, financial empire, all his assets in New York. And so I think it would it would be a really uh, a crushing blow if he lost control, access and and uh, power over those assets. We're talking to Rachel Paulos, a professor uh, at the University of St. Thomas School of Law. She's a former U.S. attorney. I've seen uh, the, the, this defense from uh, from the former president and his children about this uh, worthless statement clause. Can you explain why that they are they keep bringing that up and what? What, what kind of defense that, that would mean? Yeah, what is that? Worthless statement. Um, I'm, I'm not sure specifically what you're referring to, Adam, but I think in general um, they are trying to rely on the advice and the professional opinion of the people around them. And I think that the smart move for them, if I were their lawyer, I would be counseling them to do that, um, to say that they that they relied on their accountants, their attorneys, mm-hmm. their professional advisors, because that's a way of absolving themselves from from guilt um, or from liability, I think, is more accurate, the more accurate word in this situation. Um, And they need to be able to do three things to be able to claim advice of professionals. One, they have to show that they made and, and the former president personally made a full disclosure of all material facts to the professional and particularly to his attorneys Two, that they received that advice as to the specific course of conduct and that they followed that. Um, and three, that they relied on that advice in good faith, meaning they had they had reason to believe that it was legitimate advice. Um, and I mean, I think all those all three factors could be a challenge in this situation. But the key is showing that they presented all material facts to the professionals upon whom they relied. Rachel, what do you make of these polls? And I, I'm not sure if you've even seen them or heard the conversation mm-hmm. that we were having, but that that I President did, Trump is leading. What do you, despite all of these, this, uh, you know, activity, um, illegal activity, and 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 trials, what what do you make of it that he is leading in the in the polls? Well, I think there are two things um, that the polls are showing. And the first is that, you know, you had a little clip from Nikki Haley um, just before we went live. And those polls are also showing that 
Nikki Haley would mm-hmm. beat Joe Biden in key battleground states. So I think mm-hmm. that part of what the polling is showing is that Joe Biden is vulnerable um, as a candidate. And so I know you had Dean Phillips on for uh, lengthy segments last week. And I, I think that certain people are recognizing that in the Democratic Party and trying to do something about it. And the question will be whether the Democratic Party um, can find a, a um, more voracious or, or um, more credible challenger to, to Donald Trump. Um, I think that for the Republican base, um, these polls are clearly showing that not only do they not view it as a problem, they view these these um, lawsuits and the, pro- the criminal prosecutions in particular as uh, political vendettas mm-hmm. against a man who stood up for them. That's how they see it. And when you mm-hmm. talk to, to Republicans, especially Trump supporters, um, I mean, I think the, the former president himself compared himself to Nelson Mandela and said yeah. if he goes to jail, he's, he's going to be a, a political martyr. Yeah. And so he is already laying the foundation for that narrative, um, and his, his supporters clearly see it that way as well. But I think there are two problems, um, both uh, in terms of the appeal of the, of the likely Democratic nominee as well as the, the – um, response of the Republican base um, to to all this litigation across the country. Rachel, I have a question for you, and specifically for somebody who's been in many a courtroom and before many a judge. For me, on the mm-hmm. outside, it's like uh, I if I'm in a situation where I have to be either a witness or appearing before a judge, I'm going to be on my best behavior. So yeah. I, I just, and <laughs> politics aside, just this bombastic <laughs> back and forth between Trump and this judge, is this just a, a case of, you know, somebody this powerful and this wealthy can just have free reign even in a courtroom where the rest of us regular citizens would need to be on our best behavior? I was thinking about this very this issue, Adam, because I was in federal court uh, last week. And what I told my client was um, you are you are presenting a picture of yourself from people who have never met you um, and you're. Um, portraying yourself as as the man you are and the man you want them to see. Right. So um, be respectful, of course, uh, even under hostile questioning, even under questioning that isn't fair, even if you are upset about um, shots, unfair shots taken at you by a defense attorney or by a prosecutor or by... Um, but, but remember, the jury's watching, the judge is watching. And so... Um, in general, one would be very deferential to a judge in a courtroom, recognizing the immense power that individual holds. But I think, again, this tri- these trials are like no other trials that we have seen. And I think it's probably fair to say that, that they're no, like no other trials we've seen in the history of our country, um, where you have a former president and very possibly a future president um, really battling for his life, battling for everything but his life, I should say, um, his financial empire, his political future, his his um, historical legacy. And um, anyone who's watched Donald Trump for five minutes knows he is not the silent type. Um, so he's going to he's going to battle until the end. Um, and so normally this is not what I would counsel clients to do, but there are always clients who do not listen to an attorney's <laughs> advice. Right. And do what they want to do. And I, I just don't see the former president as someone who's going to be um, constrained by anyone, including his own lawyers. 
Rachel Polos, uh, University of St. Thomas Law School and former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota. Always enlightening to talk with you. Thank you again for the time this morning. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, you know, this text is interesting we, as people are listening to this interview, Adam. Um, this texter says this. I'm not a Trump supporter, but in this case against Trump is ridiculous. It sounds like any real estate mogul does this, inflating and deflating property values yep. depending on loan value versus tax value. Now, if they do that, that's illegal. Right. Okay? So even if they do it, it's still not right. And right. by the way, lots of people are caught doing this because you can't do that. And also, friend, you don't do that when your property taxes are assessed. You say, okay, my house is 2,500 square feet. I have this many bedrooms, this many bathrooms. You don't get to inflate it three times that amount and get away with right. it. There are rules. We there, live in a society. We there, have laws. Yep, there are, but I, I, I'm going to push back. So let's take a break. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and I do a uh, shocking, I may come to the defense of Donald Trump. You want to listen to that after the break on WCCO. 10.55, that is your Linda's Construction time check. Time to invest in Infinity from Marvin Windows. Uh, just briefly here, I, I understand what you're saying, Jordana, about uh, that, yeah, the inflating your values and doing mm-hmm. that's illegal. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, you know, big businesses and big uh, business people, uh, not saying they all do that, but part of the reason they're there is skirting uh, laws and finding loopholes. And I'm just wondering if there isn't something to the fact that, okay, if this is not Donald Trump, former president of the United States, if he is pursued in the same manner. I just have a hard time. And also, Adam, it wasn't like it was one time. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody no, like, OK, that. Adam's yep. Adam's trying to get away with, you know, not, uh, you know, making his he, he finished his basement and he doesn't want to pay the taxes yeah. on the extra space. So he's, uh, you know, it's only twenty five hundred square yeah. finish, not, you know, yeah. thirty five hundred. I mean, it, this isn't like a one time thing. We're talking about the allegations are of systemic inflation. Mm-hmm constant year after year signing off on documents that they knew were false and and made billions of dollars so uh, allegedly maybe it was millions who knows um this is this is a problem i don't think that you can say oh all real estate developers do it because Also, I'm not convinced that all real estate developers are comfortable being criminals. I'm not suggesting that either, but I'm just saying, (laughs) okay. I'm comfortable with that. Many, you know, I'm just wondering Mm -hmm. if there could have been times in the past prior to even him becoming president where the the same legal activity could have been targeting. They could have targeted him with this. I'm just wondering about that. And maybe now we will cut down on this kind of criminal activity. So we'll get more taxes paid and more money will go from billionaires into the tax system. A story about kids being uh, failed. Mm. Failure to protect our kids in Minnesota will infuriate you. uh, The author of that story coming up next. Mm. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.